We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a little bit about the fine folks at ExpressVPN who have helped us out dramatically in terms of running this channel. What do I mean by that? Well, if you've used the NFL's American Game Pass, you've probably found that there's limited access to all 22 and also no live access to games. That's actually very different from the International Game Pass plan, which has both full all 22 footage and full access to games. So I'm international going to school and Tyler and Steven are back in the United States still finagling with that game pass to try to get the footage that they need to do the breakdowns on the channel. So I said, well, what if I get Game Pass internationally, and then you guys can use a VPN? Uh, And after that discussion, ExpressVPN actually came and said, hey, we want to partner with you guys. So that's been awesome to deal with them. Uh, They have been great for the show and have helped us pump out these breakdowns that we know you guys have been watching on the channel. And of course, uh, when we talk about ExpressVPN, their uses go far outside of football. There's plenty of shows on Netflix in America that aren't available elsewhere and vice versa because, well, maybe that one's on HBO Max and maybe that one's on Hulu. So there's plenty of uses for ExpressVPN to get regionally based uh, exclusive internet content. And so we want to let you go to ExpressVPN and explore yourself. So that's why if you go to expressvpn.com guilty, again, that's expressvpn.com guilty, you can get a three-month free trial on us. So that's our promise to you, and we know that you're going to love ExpressVPN just as much as we have if you're football fanatics like us. So if you want to see that really pretty Justin Herbert pass that you saw live on CBS that week again, but you want to see it in that beautiful All-22 and plenty of different camera angles, you can again go to expressvpn.com guilty to start your three-month free trial today. Hello, everyone. Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. Happy to be joining you live after the Chargers' victorious performance against the new football Giants. Uh, happy to be joined by my guys, Alex and Tyler. Uh, Alex, it's a it's a double victory for you, of course, this weekend. Uh, you get to watch the Chargers win 
uh, and you get to watch Urban Meyer go up in flames. So uh, how are you doing today, man? Uh, I mean, the Chargers win was very pleasurable, but the Urban stuff on Saturday <laughs> was almost more fun. Uh, outside of the Jalen Guyton touchdown, that was very fun. But, uh, you know, this was just an awesome game uh, to see the Chargers just kind of go wire to wire and just dominate a team like that. Uh, we hadn't seen that so far this year. Uh, and, yeah, the Giants are bad, but uh, I, I think that yeah. this was a win that they sorely needed. Get a game up on the wild card, get momentum offensively going into uh, the Kansas City game. Uh, and that's going to be really fun. So I thought this was really fun win. And, yeah, just excited to see uh, what happens going forward. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we'll, we'll dive into everything. But uh, it was nice to sit in here and, uh, you know, not have a stressful afternoon, be able to just, you know, watch the Chargers take care of their business. Uh, because, you know, the Giants are not a good football team. They're not healthy. They're, they're firing coaches. So uh, this was a game that the Chargers should have won like this. And, I, and you know, it was good to see them take care of business. Uh, Tyler is here as well, uh, was at the game today. So, Tyler, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well. Happy to see a win. My dad had yet to go to that stadium and watch the team that he was rooting for win. Of course, I watched the Chargers win, but the Raiders <laughs> beat the or Chargers beat the Raiders at that time. So. Unfortunately, he had not seen that. So today, finally, we get to see a win. It felt really great for them to finally win uh, in front of my dad, I guess. Um, but it was good to be there. Good to be there. We're wait- we were waiting for a game like this. We knew they could do it. Uh, you guys told me all week, oh, this is a bad Giants team. It's a bad Giants team. I said, well, you know, it could be close. You know, they might score 21 points or whatever. No, but this was bad. Like, this is <laughs> that performance by the Giants and how bad they looked. Looked as bad as I can remember since probably the time that the Chargers uh, shut out the Jets back in 2014 when Jarrett Johnson blew up Geno Smith or whatever it was. I mean, it was a really bad showing by the Giants. and It was worse on the field. Everyone was laughing at them in the stadium and clapping them when they failed at their attempts to do, you know, four-ton conversions or whatever. Uh, It was really bad, but Chargers won, so it was all fun. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, we were having the same action here in my house with my wife. It was like, you know, right from the get-go, the Giants have a, a decent drive. They get to midfield. It's it's fourth and a very short two, and they punt. And the same thing happens later on. You know, you, you get to, like, midfield-ish, fourth and two, fourth and three, and you're down 20 already, and you punt. And then the fake punt. And then it was like, you know, they come out of halftime, and they're doing up-tempo, hurry-up stuff to run draw plays. I just like was blown away by the it it just felt like they didn't even have a true plan. They were just like, we're just going to see what happens. And as soon as they got down, they're like, all right, we're done. They checked out. Welcome to the NFL where Freddie (laughs) Kitchens has a job and Joe Brady does not. Uh, But yeah, I I just thought it was crazy because they also started doing that thing where they like did seven tosses and then they did a flea flicker (laughs) the very next play. I'm like, what are you guys doing? doing and then like in the fourth quarter they're down 23 and the commentators were like you know the giants are really starting to establish that ground game i'm like they have no fucking time to establish a ground game like i mean that was a nice saquon run but like there's no time they have to throw the ball like this is crazy um yeah that is not a fun team to watch but i'm thankful that for like the third fourth fifth year in a row they're a losing team uh the giants suck (laughs) and they always will fuck eli manning Yes, yes. Friendly reminder that uh, Philip Rivers is 3-0, or was 3-0, I should say, against Eli Manning. So I was at that um, game. You were. So uh, we'll we'll dive into the specific, 
specifics of this game. Hello. Uh, wanted to mention really quickly just a few of the health updates that Brandon Staley was able to provide after the game. Uh, first and foremost, he does expect Keenan Allen to play on Thursday night, barring a setback uh, for Keenan. Of course, he is vaccinated, so he just needs the two negative tests in order to be activated off of the COVID list. Uh, he does not think that Austin Eckler's injury is serious. Uh, looks pretty bad to me when, when it <laughs> happened, but um, he said that he felt like if they were in a closer game that Austin Eckler could have been uh, returning to the game. And so that's obviously good to hear. Um, and then Derwin James apparently woke up on Saturday uh, and was sore. Um, Brandon Staley said that he is hopeful that uh, Derwin James plays on uh, Thursday night. Okay. The Austin Eckler one was definitely concerning, but wait, so Derwin James, he woke up sore and then they're not even sure he's going to play Thursday. Like, whatever. Okay. Uh, I'm glad. (laughs) I'm glad that Eckler is okay. I'll I'll say that much because going into, you know, having to play Kansas city without Eckler, potentially without Allen, now potentially without James would have been rough, but um, yeah, if if he's all right, that's great. I saw him try to get up on the field and yeah. listen, I've seen injuries at home games all year or in previous years. When Eckler went down, the audience was about as shocked and upset as I can remember yeah. a team or a, a group of fans watching a player get hurt. That's how much he means to the team. So I hope he's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, also just uh, they they were wrapping him up on the sidelines. They were just using like, a <laughs> comically large amount of tape. I think they used like two full rolls just to not put him back into the game. But I guess it took the pressure off of his ankle. And I mean, they're going to yeah. need him to play Thursday. Uh, absolutely. And yeah, I don't know what to make of the Derwin stuff. That's very weird because it didn't seem like he got injured and they're maintaining that he didn't get injured in any kind of practice or anything. So maybe they just decided to give him the week off, but it does kind of have like Kenneth Murray vibes, even though he didn't really get hurt, you know, like that one yeah. Saturday. So uh, not sure what to make of it, but yeah, they absolutely need Derwin to play Saturday or on Thursday. So if this was the sacrifice that was needed to get him to be able to play, then you know you take it if you can get it yeah so uh some people are clarifying in in the chat here apparently uh staley said that his quad was swollen uh i must have missed that one um you know i i heard him say that it was a little swollen and that he woke up on saturday and and it was swollen uh i missed him saying that it was his quad so if that is the case then that's new because he was listed with a hamstring injury so uh very confusing either way um, that being said, we'll dive into this game. Before we do, have to give a shout out to our sponsor, TickPick, who is the official ticketing partner of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Uh, as we all know, this season is winding down and it is time to get out to a game. We know we had some people attending uh, their first Chargers home game today. If you were able to do that, you know, shout out to you. That's uh, got to be a super fun experience. Uh, if you want to uh, have an easier time to make that happen, please use the link in our description to get a $10 discount from TickPick. Again, that's TickPick, the official spot ticketing partner of the As Charged podcast. That being said, we have to talk about that throw from Justin Herbert. Uh, I want to get Tyler's thoughts here first because on television – it looked incredible, but I have to imagine that seeing Ooh. that throw in person 
was truly an out of body experience. Am I right in thinking that, Tyler? Well, it really was. And, you know, I haven't seen Herbert play all that much. This is the first year I've seen him live. But that mm-hmm. throw, man, it going to our side. So, first, obviously, Herbert moves, you know, like, where's he going? And he's, he's rolling up, he's winding up to throw. And then he throws it. And then we all look up and then we look down to see who he's supposed to be throwing it to. And Guyton <laughs> is like, Oh, and we're all going. And as, 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 when he threw it, Guyton was still running forward and not looking. And so everyone in the stands is looking down at him, going, "Turn around!" Like, "Oh my God, look for the ball! It's coming for you!" Ah! And then he does eventually turn around and he gets that, and we just we we're just freaking out. But I mean, I'll be honest, I love that angle of the throw. But they people have shown the sideline angle. There's an angle from like the floor showing it, like for, for someone was sitting in the end zone and showing the throw. I mean, yeah. it was incredible, and for him to pull that off. On third down, no less. I mean, they could have. There are so many different things they could have done on third down. Check it down, run it, or get a sack or whatever. For them to launch it and really put the game away at that moment was yeah. awesome. And you know, I haven't really seen many deep shots from Herbert that counted because uh, I think the, the most I shot with, saw with deep shots before was against the Cowboys, and two were called back. So I've right. kind of been waiting for him to really show off his arm like that. And in that way, I'm sure the air yards were close to what seventy air yards. It was amazing. It was an excellent throw. He's done it plenty of times this year. Uh, kudos to him, man. It was an awesome throw. Yeah, I mean, I just was sitting there like I, I, my attitude towards that play was it was 29 seconds. They're at the 40 yard line. I'm just like, all right, well, get a field goal. Go and <laughs> right. a half, 20 to seven. Right, exactly. Like, yeah, like there, there to me, there wasn't that much stress because like I don't think the Giants are really going to score 20 points and, and make this competitive mm-hmm. anyway. I mean, they ended up scoring 21 or whatever, but. They didn't really. <laughs> the Chargers just kind of gave up on defense at the end, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But um, yeah. yeah, no, I I was just like, all right, well, let's send it in a halftime, 20 to seven, good enough lead, yeah. and you get the ball at the half. Uh, and <laughs> someone posted that thing on Twitter where it's like Herbert does the little rollout thing to the right, and then he winds up, and you know something's about to happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and it was just that kind of moment where we're like, oh god, he's gonna throw it. Uh, and it was funny because on TV they had sort of like they they didn't really know where Herbert was throwing the ball at first. Yeah, you saw the yes. guys were like pause for a second. Uh, so they were like, "Oh, where is he going?" And so they like briefly stopped it, and then like, "Oh, he's throwing it all the way over there." And so they, they just <laughs> cut the camera angle like all the way over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that that was just like a insane play to watch. Uh, Jalen Guyton, recipient of the GAC bump, two touchdowns uh, yeah. in in the last two weeks. So. Uh, I just thought that was all around a really fun play. Go for the knockout punch. And Absolutely. yeah, they 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 got it done. And and like I said on Twitter, that was just one of the throws where uh, that's the kind of like top one quarterback in the league stuff that mm-hmm. Justin Herbert has. Uh, and, you know, or that potential at least. And so for him to just put 63 air yards on a rope, uh, not many that can do that. Yeah, I, I would say right now, you know, Aaron Rodgers a couple of years ago, right? I think right now, probably not. So I think Mahomes, Allen, and Herbert are probably the only three that make that. Um, but the craziest thing about that to me is that's not even where the play was designed to go. You know, so you have a third and an 11, and like Alex is saying, you're trying to, you have 30 seconds left or whatever, you're trying to get into field goal range. And so the Chargers had, um, we're not talking about Mike Leonard right now, Jason. We're talking about uh, Justin Herbert's throw. Um, so the Chargers had they had two overs coming from the left side to the to the right side. They had a tight end doing a short drag route. 
So they were clearly trying to do like an intermediate route. And it was, you know, it's pretty standard to just have one guy take the deep and take the go route and try to pull one of the safeties with him. And so Justin Herbert gets pressure. And I feel like if he hadn't gotten pressure, he probably would have thrown one of those over routes, probably to Palmer or Mike Williams. And so Mm -hmm. he gets pressure and he rolls out and all the routes are all going to the left or they're all, you know, so they're all going to the opposite way. And so he rolls out and I'm thinking, oh, he's just going to run for a few yards, maybe get out of bounds. And then he stops and just uncorks that thing. And I think that was his best throw of his career. Like I really do, you know, just given the circumstances of of the time of the game and how Mm -hmm. far it traveled. And like I said, just improving that specific throw because that's not where the play was designed to go. And then I love after the game, Jalen's guy like, Hey man, it's easy to make those kind of plays when you have the perfect pass, like, you know, just so subtle with it. And man, like Justin Herbert is just so special, special in that regard. And we're seeing him really kind of come out of his shell in terms of improvising on the fly, because normally we see them have to kind of set that up. You max protect, you roll out, and you have this specific design to go deep. And for him to do it on that specific play just was a truly special play. Yeah, and he he looked so good throughout the game. Live, you know, maybe I'll be more harsh, I guess, if I watch it on All-22. But live, he was just processing everything in the intermediate and short so well. So for him to, again, a week after doing this against the Bengals, Mm -hmm. take it again deep as well. And now he's potentially comfortable hitting at every level and everything's open and they can dial things up and change different things. I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a show on Thursday night football. It is going to be something really special. We didn't even mention that he's getting hit from behind as he yeah. throws that yeah. ball. Like that's one of the craziest things about that play that he still got that off and just had a perfectly despite um, you know all the pressure um, on that play. So yeah, like Tyler said, I mean, we'll talk about Herbert's game more in depth, I'm sure, but um yeah just all around great game thought he was processing really well um got josh palmer involved pretty much got everyone involved uh really and we were sort of talking about you know what's the first game without keenan allen gonna be like uh and it didn't seem like he skipped a beat right like everything was still kind of the same they have palmer slide into what was that keenan allen role um but the offense uh didn't really miss a beat. Like, obviously you would have probably liked to have Keenan here on third downs and (laughs) the team is much better with Keenan when he's here. Um, But uh, I I thought that that was a really impressive effort, uh, all things considered with this giant secondary and how well they had been playing coming into this game. Uh, And just basically to not miss a beat without your, arguably your best offensive player. Uh, So that was just an, an incredible effort from him vaults his name into the MVP conversation. I think Brady's starting to unfortunately lock it up. Uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, Herbert has some weeks here to do some damage. And that was a really fun effort to see from him. Yeah, absolutely. And I love to see the way that he, you know, spread the ball around. You know, you're losing your your top receiver in this one. You know, it would have been relatively easy for him to just say, hey, I'm just going to funnel targets toward Mike Williams, towards Austin Eckler, towards Jared Cook, you know, his, you know, the next men up in, the, in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but he hit nine receivers uh, today on yeah. passes, uh, really spread the spread the ball around uh, at a fantastic level. And, you know, this this Giants defense is a good defense. Like, you it know, is. I, I think they're 
a little inflated in terms of, you know, the turnovers and stuff like that because they've gotten 19 takeaways this season. But they're a hmm. solid defense, and they have dudes. Like James Bradbury, we saw a couple of times make some great plays. I know Leonard Williams was hurt, but Aziz Ojolari had a really good game, I feel like. Uh, mm. Dexter Lawrence was absolutely working Michael Schofield. I think that's going to be a, a rough charting for Schofield. But, you know, you see Justin Herbert just stay poised in the pocket, stay calm and collected and spread the ball around. Uh, you know, we saw some targets for Donald Parham go his way. Josh Palmer had, mm-hmm. you know, almost a seamless transition. Uh, and it was just great to see. You, you know, this is the kind of leap that you're hoping to see from Justin Herbert in year two where you potentially lose one of your top targets and you can still go out and put 37 points up against a really solid Giants defense. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I was trying to keep track of something else. Ignore me. All right. Well, um, let's talk about Josh Palmer's day and kind of the receivers uh, in Keenan Allen's absence. Again, if you missed earlier, uh, Brandon Staley did say that he expects Keenan Allen to play on Thursday night. Uh, barring a setback. But Tyler, what would you make of uh, the receiver's performance in this one without him? Yeah, I, was, I wasn't I was sure how the game was going to go because, you know, they, they've gotten him barely involved, a couple targets a game or whatever it is up until that point. And I just wasn't sure what he was going to do in, in Keenan Allen's absence. Or even if they did feature him a lot more, maybe it was more Jalen Guyton, maybe it was more Andre Roberts, I don't know. Um, but they really got him involved and... I honestly was pleasantly surprised. I didn't know if he had it in him to have yeah. a, like a mini breakout game. And because, you know, the, it's a pretty solid secondary and, you know, all the attention maybe on like Mike Williams or whatever. But I wasn't sure because you have um, the dropped, dropped-ish pass against the uh, against the Bengals, which eh, is kind of a drop pass, a pass breakup, you know, but they didn't really go to him outside of that. And so it was like, you know, what, what can he do? And so for him to step up in this way was a big deal. Now, of course, I was watching it live. I kind of just get the end result, right? I don't really watch specifically him. So I don't know exactly how he got up or what he did, but he looked really smooth. Everything looked natural to him. He looked great with the ball in his hands. He would have had arguably a second touchdown if Guyton had blocked on that screen. I know people don't mm-hmm. really love the screens, but Guyton, yeah. like he had it. And the, the, the Giants defender just made a really good play, whoever that was made a really good play on, on the runner, but Palmer could have had two touchdowns on the day. So he looked really, really solid. And, you know, I'm not saying he's replacing Keenan on by any means, but it makes me feel better about him moving forward. And I think Arjun pointed out that uh, Palmer was open on elite concept on, on that kind of deep ish pass to him. Yeah. That's great. You know, not just a Keenan Allen replacement in the, in the short and intermediate, but you can also stretch the field as well. So that's good to see a guy who can work from all different places and if, if Herbert's comfortable with him, that's awesome. I think I'll let you say what the quote was about him and uh, Herbert and Palmer versus Staley and his brother, I believe. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll let you say that because I don't recall what the quote was. But that's really cool to hear. And their chemistry, hopefully, is going to start paying off. <coughs> Goodness. I brought cough drops today, everybody. So I think we, <laughs> I think we should be good. Um, uh, just that one stuck up on me a little bit. Um, but yeah, so after the game, Brandon Staley was talking. And he was saying, you know, that he's just really loved to see the way that Josh Palmer has come in uh, and worked as a pro, right? Like he stays after practice every single day. He's come in with a clear mission to like get better. He's he, he's picking the brains of of all the veteran receivers in front of him. And, and he's just been impressed by his his work ethic. 
and what he was saying is that you know you you come into a situation with Justin Herbert and Justin Herbert has you know all this energy and he wants to do all this extra work to get better after practices and you have Josh Palmer there with him you know step for step after every single practice working with him staying after working on that chemistry working on those routes you know being that you know reliable piece and that reliable player after practice and he was saying that that's what his brother was to him you know growing up playing in high school uh that his brother was always the one who uh, you know, stayed after practice to work with Brandon on just on like route concepts and things like that, getting an extra work. Uh, he said that uh, Jason Staley had good stamina because of it uh, in games because they were always working after practice. So uh, it was just a cool comment to see. Like we we saw after, after training camp, right, that Palmer was, mm-hmm. you know, after every single practice was staying late. And I'm, I'm, I love hearing that that has continued in the season because it would be relatively easy, right? You know, you're, you're tired after practice. It's week 14, you know, just go into the locker room right after each practice. But uh, he's kept that up wrong speed. I can confirm that he did train with Anquan Bolden uh, over the summer considers Anquan uh, kind of a mentor as well and wants to play and bring that kind of physical uh, style to the Chargers. So it was great to see Palmer play like that. You know, they got him involved in, in different kind of ways. I would, I've said for weeks that I would like to see him kind of get those yak opportunities, those those uh, flats and screen routes that Keenan Allen has been getting. Um, so I'm curious to see, you know, how the film kind of paints that one opportunity that Tyler was talking about. Uh, but I really like the way overall that Palmer played and the way that they got him involved. Yeah, I really like the way Palmer played too. Um, just kind of getting open uh, was just huge for him. Uh, throughout the game and I think on that one touchdown you sort of have Herbert put it in a place where only he can get it but still I mean like he had to get open and do his work himself um and you look at the target shares today and I was just kind of curious to see what they would be without Keenan Allen and it was fairly balanced right I mean the top four receivers were Austin Eckler with four receptions Jalen Guyton with three uh, Mike Williams with, uh, or sorry, not receptions, targets, uh, six targets for Mike Williams and then seven for Josh Palmer. So Josh Palmer, in a sense, kind of was, you know, co-wide receiver one or two with Mike Williams in this game. Um, yeah. And I think that he stepped up to the plate big time uh, in, in this one. So I don't know kind of what it means going forward. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a lot of offseason conversation about what they're going to do with Mike Williams. Um, and sort of how that's going to play out with Josh Palmer. But whatever happens next year, I definitely think he's kind of in line for an increased role. You also have Jalen Guyton's free agency that's going to uh, play out sure. at some point. So, yeah, no, I'm, I, I think that this was a real step forward in the right direction for Josh Palmer. We've been kind of wanting to see him get involved all year, and every week it's sort of just been like a little bit more, a little bit more, Uh, And this was the first real sense of a breakout game for him. So uh, I was really just all around excited to see what he could do. And I thought he took advantage of the opportunity with Keenan out. Yeah. And on the opposite there, again, James Bradbury is a fantastic corner. I don't know how much he was shadowing Mike Williams, uh, but six for 61, no touchdowns is, is a little underwhelming for Mike Williams in this one. Uh, granted, he could have had like 20 extra yards if he had not run out of bounds on that one that drag so route, which was like, how do you <laughs> like how do you do that? How does how does an athlete of his caliber run out of bounds in that kind of setting? No one was close to him. 
He could no. have easily had he could have easily had another 20 yards after that. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that led to a field that drive was a field goal. So, you know, not that it like completely changed the game or anything like that, but like how do you let that happen, dude? Yeah, that was frustrating. I feel like so many things went towards our way. And we saw him and that we knew as soon as he got the pass, the angle he was taking to round towards the sidelines, like you're not making that turn, dude. Like you're not as finesse of a car as you think. And yeah, he steps like 42 <laughs> times out of bounds, 30 yards too early. We're like, come on, how do you how do you mess that up? And we're happy it's a first down and a, a pretty sizable gain, but it could have been more. Now, a lot of people in the chat are talking about Mike Williams and you know what they should do with him next year after Palmer's sure. solid game. Sure. I'm still in favor of keeping everybody together right now. If Williams is on the franchise tag, I just, I mean, if you can afford it, of course, um, you know, and you want to find speed elsewhere or, or at least upgrade your speed and also keep guiding. But I really think everyone that's the receivers that are on the team right now should stick around. I think they should just not be so picky about their, Oh, we need to have only five wide receivers and a special teams guy or whatever. Yeah. You know, just go find another speed guy keep this group together with Williams on a franchise tag. And I think that's a really good option. Is it probably paying Williams more than he's worth? Probably, but I still would keep him around. I don't know if Palmer's ready to take that next step. Maybe he could, if Allen's maybe out on Thursday and then Palmer continues his ascension, he looks great. Maybe move on from Williams, but I'm still in favor of keeping them together. Cause there are still things that Mike Williams can do that the other guys can't. And so, you know, I know people want to find and move on like, Oh, let's get rid of Mike Williams. We don't need him. I still think he's a vital part of the team, even if he's overpaid to do it. I, I mean, yeah, I, I also don't think Mike Williams had, like, a bad game today. I mean, sure. No, definitely not. Yeah, definitely not. no, I, I mean, played all right, given the circumstances. Um, I, I think there was just a little bit of, like, uh, I mean, also, we didn't practice all week, right? In addition right. to, you know, right. all this kind of conversation about who would really be wide receiver one, wide receiver two. Like, Joshua Palmer uh, got all the practice reps, I mean, more or less speaking, yeah. as wide receiver one because Mike Williams didn't practice all week. Um, so, I, you know, not that I'm saying that really changes the dynamics, but coming into this game, uh, I think Mike Williams, considering the week he had, considering the week the Chargers had uh, with Keaton Allen, unfortunately testing positive, like, I sort of thought that this was, like, best-case scenario for all what the receivers could do. Uh, in this game in terms of getting all of them involved. Uh, so, you know, for me, <laughs> we're, we're probably going to have these discussions every week about what changes right. and if Mike Williams is actually worth, you know, 17 million and the next week he's worth 7 million because he dropped a ball and he stepped out of bounds. Uh, but, you know, yeah. for me, I still think uh, he's been playing really well this season as all. Yeah, no, he's still on pace for a, a really fantastic season. And like he's already setting career highs in catches, you know, he still has a great connection with Justin Herbert. And uh, I think it was uh, someone pointed out earlier. I can't remember who it was. They, there's already like 18 new comments since then, but you know, continuity for Justin Herbert is, is really so important. And so I, I think that this front office loves Mike Williams. We've heard that from Daniel Popper. We've heard that the owners like Mike Williams. I mean, the offensive coordinator is, you know, has compared him to Michael Thomas a few times. So I think that Mike Williams will be back next year, at least in some capacity, whether that's franchise tagging him. Uh, that would pay him, I think, $18 million, $19 million, just depending on on how that uh, scale translates next year. Um, and, li- like, we know that Tom Tlusco is not going to overpay. Like, he's, we saw that with Hunter Henry last year. He's not going to, you know, let Mike Williams be like, hey, I want $20 million, $20 million per year or, or I'm walking. And, you know, that's just the, kind of the GM that he is. But – 
Um, just kind of given, you know, the just the receiver market in general next year, I, I, I'd be pretty surprised if he does get more than $18 million a year. Um, we, you know, you have Devonta Adams, Chris Godwin in the same class. So um, we'll see, right? But I, I expect at this point that Williams is back for at least next year. Uh, I do agree with Tyler that they absolutely need to move on from this archaic belief of having five receivers on, you know, the roster is okay. Like you, we saw this specific week why you need more than five capable receivers. You know, you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have like seven and everybody wonders why. And then you lose Antonio Brown because he's a moron and you have the next guy kind of step in and, and, you know, the offense can continue to, to row the boat. So, um next year definitely i think they need to add some more speed and have more uh frankly just more bodies and more options outside of jalen guyton for that downfield role that's how the alex is going i think so jason moore in this game i don't recall what the snap count was but it seemed like it he was only in, there in the fourth quarter like i don't yeah, recall him lot. seeing out there until the fourth quarter yeah you, i just can't see how it's i mean much like this, like they've been generally pretty lucky with their receiver injuries so far. But yeah. if you look at the safety group, like they were barely <laughs> making it through with the amount of number of safeties that they had. And they've kind of treated yeah. the receiver room the same way, like not really bringing anybody else in, just kind of okay with what. Oh, sorry, I, I didn't recall if you said this already. How's Nasir Adderley? Did I completely no, miss he's, talking he's about fine. that? He's fine. Yeah, Nasir okay. Adderley is fine. He does not have a concussion. Uh, Brandon Saley said Oof. that they they don't really know why. Uh, that whole thing happened. Apparently the referees got buzzed down to get him checked out mm. for a concussion, but he was, he was back in the game like two plays later, three plays later, I think. Okay. Yeah. I left the game a little bit early just because it was you know 30 point win or it was going to be a 30 <laughs> point win. Um, so I left, but okay. Good to hear. Cause I, I heard he went down and it was like, Oh yeah. my gosh, how do you, how do you win against the chiefs without that? Yeah. So wait, so did you miss the, the Mike Lennon touchdown run then? Yes, I did not see that live. I watched the replay. Um, you know, good for him. That was the... stats. Did, did you see Saquon burning uh, Michael Davis? I did. That was yeah, one of the last things I saw. Was, it was Saquon shaking, you know, getting Michael Davis to bite. Which I don't blame Davis for biting, honestly, considering how the oh, entire no. game I, went. Yeah. But they did nothing but short routes. I mean, him biting, I kind of get. But yes, a running back outside, shaking your number one corner. Not the best look, but I get it. No. No, what was great though is that like the next play he had a, he had another pass breakup I think on uh, Sterling Shepard if I'm not mistaken, um, but you know I, I definitely don't blame him uh, for trying to get that pick six action, but man that Mike Lennon touchdown run was probably the funniest thing that I saw today and we saw a bunch of funny things, but that man was bracing for contact at like the two and a half yard line like he wanted zero part of that just mm-hmm. had no idea what to do when he crossed the end zone it was just comical the whole game was comical comical man i I still think the funniest thing that i saw was the fourth down attempt to and they threw like six yards out of bounds (laughs) yeah it it might have looked okay on the broadcast but from watching from our angle it it wasn't even close like i I think they would have gotten blown up anyway but the fact that they threw it six yards the other way (laughs) a kickoff went out of bounds yeah so many things were comically so bad for them today i I actually kind of felt bad um but then i didn't because it's chargers one yeah right yeah, absolutely. So um, anything else? Oh, I wanted to say this as well, because I know that uh, a lot of people have kind of dubbed me as the Joe Lombardi defender or whatever, but 
I thought Joe Lombardi called a fantastic game today. You know, I really loved the way that they uh, balanced all the different kind of running plays. They did a good mix of outside zone, inside zone. Uh, hmm. I, I love the way that he called play action today. So, you know, uh, the offense wasn't super crisp in the fourth quarter. Of course, you know, that kind of happens in a blowout game and you have backups in and things like that. But mm-hmm. I thought Joe Lombardi called a generally a very, very good game today. And I thought he called a good game last week as well. Yeah, no, pretty solid overall. I think, I mean, a lot of guys were open. That's a sign of a, a pretty good call from a coordinator, I'm sure. Also, you know, you got to give credit to your receivers. But guys are pretty wide open. I think everything was working pretty well. Um, I would like to see them improve just a bit somehow it's tough when they get backed up at their one or their three or whatever it is right. having a bit of trouble you know sustaining the drive and or scoring or whatever right um, and that really just kind of gives the the opponent an advantage so a little bit better there would be good but otherwise yeah i thought it was a pretty solid game honestly if we're just talking like wire to wire drive i thought that first drive of the game for them was really good um they got austin eckler involved they got justin jackson involved um and then i think yeah no just justin herbert was just kind of making these quick decisions and throughout the whole game it just felt like the best meshing of joe lombardi's quick passing game along with the sort of rpo play action stuff that we've seen all year um and yeah no i like (laughs) i'm not the biggest joe lombardi defender as steven is or as he gets labeled (laughs) but this was his best game of the year uh to be honest And, and i think uh you know, you could kind of go back and, and talk about like this is the Giants and it wasn't a great team, but uh, I, I thought just from start to finish he schemed things up pretty well and they had a game plan and any adaptations they make usually kind of always worked in this one. Um, yeah. Probably going to be a little bit more difficult with the primetime game versus the Chiefs, uh, but I, I thought for what this game was, uh, Joe Lombardi did a fantastic job. Wow, Jason uh, saying that he thinks that the Denver game was his best game. That's an interesting. I, he did call a good game. It was just execution errors in that one, in my opinion. But um, I still like the Philadelphia game quite a bit, too. Um, but it, it was funny, though, because you had the first drive, the first three and out where they get like the one first down for Mike Williams. And then it was like, wait, like we can run the ball. Like this is a, an actual game where we can have an advantage with the running attack. And, you know, they the way that they did the outside zones in particular, I thought were fantastic. You know, Sean Slater and Matt Filer, of course, have continued to play extremely well. Um, and, you know, this was a game that, you know, I wish I would have said this on our show on Thursday, but you know, I was looking at football outsiders on uh, Friday morning and the New York giants were actually 31st in the league in uh, run defense DVOA. So, you know, <laughs> this was a game where the chargers could have gotten some money uh, uh, in the rushing attack. And of course it wasn't, Super efficient with Justin Jackson and uh, Joshua Kelly once Austin Eckler went down, but I thought the run, the rushing attack was, for the most part, really good today. I mean, it wasn't super efficient, but like it, it was good relative to what we've had. Like yeah. Justin Jackson having three point nine yards per carry. We've been used to like Larry Roundtree averaging two point five. So I mean, like <laughs> yeah. all in all, it was a pretty good game. For those two, um, yeah. but yeah, like. For me, I just wanted to see the RB2s have a serviceable game and be right. able to take some of that load off of Austin Eckler. And to me, I thought they did a decent enough job doing that today. Um, obviously, I think the conversation around that will change as we get closer to Thursday night football and we'll see yeah. you know, how much pressure Austin is able to put on that angle and right. you know how loose he feels during that game. 
because I do think they may need Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly to sort of play not as big of a role as they did today, but still a a pretty hefty one uh, if he can't put a lot on that ankle. Um, But compared to what we have seen and what we have been talking about with the RB2 role, I sort of thought that this was the best RB2 game of the season. Well, by far, because they, you know, they actually got the touches, they got the yards. Um, You know, I had been pretty critical of of Justin Jackson and just kind of it seeming like he wasn't really trusting his instincts. I felt like he was very decisive today. He was patient Mm -hmm. when he had to be. You know, the yardage numbers were not fantastic, but I thought Jackson looked really good. Uh, Joshua Kelly had a couple really solid runs. You know, he's proving to be a little bit more explosive than Justin Jackson. So in a matchup this Thursday, you know, Austin Eckler is fine now, and he could have gone back into the game apparently. Um, but that's going to feel really different tomorrow morning when you have that ankle kind of mm. resting and sleeping. And, you know, he had that uh, little patch or whatever on his, uh, I think it was his left tricep, which was a new thing. So he's banged up, man. And, you know, he's taken a, a, a huge workload this season and had a fantastic year. Um, but I, I think we are going to have to see Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly or both you know, have a good game again on Thursday if they're going to have a chance, because I don't think we will see Austin Eckletter at 100%. And, you know, I think it's going to be another important game for the RB2s uh, for sure. Yeah, if I could at least just survive the Chiefs game or be there for the Chiefs game, to act, even as like a decoy or something for them to yeah. prepare for, that'd be great. But yeah, Jackson looked really good. I know the numbers aren't good, but I think a couple of times it was like a third and one or some goal line touches. So that kind of messes with things just a bit. But he looked overall from like, you know, the 10 to the 10 really solid. So I liked that. He had a really good, um, I think it was like a third down catch, but he did make somebody miss. And that's just kind of what you're looking for. Make somebody miss. Yeah. Get one extra yeah. yard. Do anything else. Um, Kelly, I'll have to go back and watch. It wasn't a ton of explosive runs. I didn't think the blocking on most of those runs was all that great. He did have one draw play where it didn't look like it on the replay, but live looked like the fastest I've seen Kelly on that draw play. He looked very explosive and got immediately upfield. That was great to see. So, you know, if this is the rotation moving forward, great. Um, Gabe Neighbors did not get a touch in this game, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, no, he didn't. Um, you know, contributed on special teams somewhere, potentially. Uh, but this is fine. If this is their rotation, you know, Eckler, Jackson, Kelly, kind of like it was, we all kind of thought it was going to be early yeah. on, fine. Like, I think Jackson is the rightful RB2. He was the RB2. He is the RB2. They think, oh, you know, maybe we should give him more offensive touches after leaving a goose egg in Denver. Or not a goose <laughs> egg, but basically not doing much in Denver. So yeah. I'm happy to see him more involved, and I think he made the most of it today. Yeah, I mean, what nine carries, odds, 35 well, yards. I just want to ask, what are the odds that we go on a Thursday night football and they make Kelly a healthy scratch and put Roundtree back in? <laughs> oh, I would bet $100 Probably. if that happens. <laughs> yeah. Probably 50-50 at best. It's, yeah, I'm sure, just... I'm sure they make Eckler inactive at this point. Yeah, so confusing, right? Like you get Justin Jackson uh, zero snaps a, a few weeks ago, and then I don't know the snap count right off the top of my head, obviously, but uh, nine touches or actually ten touch, touches, excuse me, because he had the one catch. But you know, nine carries, thirty-five yards—that's solid, right? And that's really all you're hoping to see. Uh, you know, it's kind of the baseline is just be solid, and I think that they have done that. So, um, all right, let's shift gears and talk about the defense. Um, I know that there were 21 points on the board. Uh, you know, I, I thought for the most part that they were solid, but I have to start by saying that Joey Bosa teabagging in an NFL game is just like 
such a classic Joey Bosa move. I thought it was hilarious. Um, you know, it probably would have gotten flagged for taunting if the refs were not kind of looking the <laughs> other way, trying to sort some things out. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Joey Bosa teabagging is probably a top three or four Joey Bosa moment for me. Uh, of course, you know, just love the way that he did that. And then, you know, celebrating on the sidelines too. So uh, big shout out to Joey Bosa. Okay, I got to start by saying, in my defense, or people saying that I didn't recognize this was a teabag. Look, I grew up <laughs> playing Halo and Call of Duty and all that, so I get it. In my defense, I'm like 80 yards away, and I didn't yeah. watch until the end. All I saw him was doing, like, he did like an up-down, and he was just kind of like, and then Eckler was out at that point. So I actually thought that he was playing, like, the electric guitar because Eckler was hurt or something, like, in some sort oh, of Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, that's that's nice. He did, like, an up-down, and then he's like, yeah, electric guitar. But then I see the replay, and like everyone's telling me, like, no, 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 Tyler, that's not what he was doing. Sorry, I missed it. I know what teabagging is. I played the video games. I played the video games. <laughs> <laughs> I've played all the video games. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, I think that, uh, no, I thought Joey Bosa had a great game. Uh, for me, I mean, the guys that kind of stepped up, I, I thought were the secondary. I thought the secondary played really well yeah. today. Um, going back to penalties real quick, we were talking about him not getting flagged for that. I also thought that it was just a weird Carenti game. I thought it was interesting that he just didn't call penalties like a lot of the time because there were a lot of like, oh, maybe that's pass interference or maybe that's something. But like, he just kind of kept the whistle silent, which I mean, when I say weird Carenti game, I mean, it was a good game for him. (laughs) In a good way, yeah, in a good way. Uh, We didn't get like a ton of flags that we got all over the field like the Dallas game. Um, so, you know, I thought that that was fun, but yeah, for me, uh, I thought the defensive line did a good job. Uh, yeah, Justin Jones, uh, Joey Bosa, pretty much all those guys playing, uh, at a pretty high level, uh, and everyone just kind of contributed. So, yeah. uh, linebackers, uh, I think that's a little more iffy outside of guys you're white, uh, sure. in terms of the game that they had today, but I thought Chris Harris, Michael Davis, and, uh, really just everyone in the secondary, including Nasir Adderley, uh, is sort of my standout for the game. Uh, obviously, you're going against Mike Glennon. It was not as challenging as previous games have been. Uh, sure. But for Michael Davis to pretty much lock up Kenny Galladay, not give up really anything to him. Uh, and then you have Chris Harris just kind of making plays, uh, making his influence felt three pass deflections on the day for him. I uh, just thought it was an all-around solid effort. Yeah, absolutely. The secondary, you know, played very well. I would have loved to see, you know, some more uh, active bodies in the secondary. That would have been fun. Um, But, you know, Michael Davis, we we were very critical of him last week. I thought he had a fantastic day for the most part. Again, you know, the the biting on on the Saquon Barkley thing is a little bit of excuse, excusable at least. Um, But, you know, four pass breakups, I thought he had the one really solid tackle on uh, one of the Saquon screens too. So, uh, you know, a way to make complete judgment on uh, Michael Davis and Chris Harris when it comes to the all 22. But, you know, uh, Mike Lennon gave them several opportunities to make plays on the ball and they did not disappoint. Uh, Chris Harris, you know, having three pass breakups, I think this is probably one of his best days of the season, probably of his Chargers tenure. He was pretty good last week as well. So uh, credit to him for not practicing all week and then, you know, coming back and, and having a good impact. So, um, I thought Adderley was fantastic. Again, you know, he had a couple of really crucial tackles on Saquon Barkley in space, as, you know, I, I talked about on Thursday. Um, that 
pass breakup by him where he kind of did a flip was kind of insane. Uh, you got to take better care of your body, my guy, please. Um, and then, uh, unfortunately, you know, Tavon Campbell was by far the, the worst of the group. I think he had like five minute tackles, just really was uh, kind of a mess. But for the most part, I do agree that the secondary played very well today. Yeah, the missed tackle is a little concerning. I don't know how many he missed, but that was kind of his like one of his best attributes early on in the season against you know the Raiders. I think he had a number of really great open field tackles to bring them to third down, fourth down, whatever it was. And he's just kind of missing right now. And for a guy that athletic, I have to always remember that this guy's 28, 29, or however old he is. I always yeah. think he'll develop and like maybe he can get better, but at this point he's he's at that age. Um, but hey, yeah, no, sure, seriously. Shout out Chris Harris Jr. for having a what seemed to be a good game. I mean, outside of, and this isn't his fault, but outside of Kyle Rudolph having the one sixty-yard catch, which is basically all on Trey Marshall, I think. You know, yeah. the next best receiver, Sterling Shepard with twenty-seven, not counting the running backs who had a bunch of dump-offs. Um, you know, Shepard with twenty-seven, Golly with fifteen, mm-hmm. Engram with eight, and Ross with seven. You know, they the, the secondary looked confident in making plays for the first time since. Honestly, maybe the Dallas game, which is ironic considering it was the same referee crew. Um, but they, you know, those guys were really holding it down during the Dallas game and they played really well in this game. And that's great. Heading into this, oh, I don't know, the Kansas City Chiefs most important game of the season matchup. That's really good momentum to be having. So listen, Chris Harris Jr. on social media said that he was hurt. He was hurt. I don't know how long he's still been hurt. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, he said the same hurt, thing what? last year, man. He did the exact same thing last year. Yeah. Yeah. So good for him for having a good game. Hopefully he can keep it up because um, I don't believe at this point he is hurt. So if he's bad next week, then I don't believe it was because he was hurt. Um, But hopefully the momentum continues because they're going to need it. Yeah. I I just, I I, I was going to say they can afford one of Chris Harris and Devon Campbell being bad. They can't afford them both being bad at the same time. So if you get ASJ back on Thursday, which I think they're hopeful for, and Chris Harris can continue to play like this along with Michael Davis, then I think the secondary is in a good position. Um, If, you know, Chris Harris does kind of recede a little bit and then you have Devon Campbell playing like he has been, then I think that that becomes a problem. I also had no idea Devon Campbell was 28 years old until I just did a (laughs) Google after what Tyler said right now and uh, does make his play look a little bit worse. Yes. Yes, because he's that, you know, developmental project when he's already developed and peaked physically. So a little bit of a concern there. Uh, Arjun confirms that PFF has him for three missed tackles right now. Uh, Mm. Not great for a cornerback at all. So um, definitely a bit of a concern there. Um, I'm going to kind of talk about, we'll we'll wrap this up, at least in terms of the defense. But um, I, I know I saw a bunch of people kind of, uh, criticizing, you know, the pass rush and and how it kind of didn't show mm. up today. And I'm not really there. You know, the Giants were doing a ton of quick drop back passing attack. Mm-hmm. They did so many draw plays in the second half. Like they didn't have a ton of true pass it opportunities. But Joey Bosa had uh, uh, you know game record kind of day potential. And so I feel like the Giants just kind of said, you know what, we're not gonna you know do anything deep or intermediate or anything like that. So. Uh, Bosa hit Mike Lennon four times. I think there was another hit, uh, at least according to ESPN's box score. Um, but do have to say that right now, uh, as, as Arjun told us, that uh, Chris Rumpf, Jerry Tillery, and Kenneth Murray combined for zero pressures uh, on the initial <laughs> watch from Pro Football Focus. So 
Uh, again, a little understandable, but obviously, you know, in the first game uh, without Kyler Fackrell, you're hoping for a little bit more production from those secondary rushers outside of Bosa and Nwosu. Uh, and unfortunately, they did not get uh, anything from them. Yeah, 55 pass rush attempts for that trio and zero pressures. Not great, but again, this is, seems like a very excusable sort of game where, I mean, in the second half, they're running the, the quick hurry up draw game offense, which yeah. is like Ken Wisenhunt. You're not. <laughs> well, who was the quarter? Oh, Mike McCoy. Excuse me. Mike McCoy's uh, dream back in the day. There you go. Jeez. Uh, um, so, yeah, them not getting a whole lot of pressures is, is, is fine. I'd be more interested in like the pass rush win rate because I could see them sure. having one more reps and they just weren't productive because Glennon was like, throw to that guy, throw to that guy. How often did they have to really get after the passer? I can't believe Joey Bosa had four hits because they really didn't seem like they had all that opportunities to get after the passer in a nice natural you know, five-step drop back or whatever. It would seem to be dump it off, dump it off here. And then right. like the flea flicker 47 <laughs> times, apparently I've never seen a team run that many trick plays in one drive. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, for, for me, I thought the run defense was really good this game. I think you can, like, talk about the pass rush not being great, but at the same time, it's like you guys said. I mean, Mike Lennon threw 5.3 yards per attempt, uh, and then you had 26 runs with Saquon, uh, with Saquon Barkley and Devontae Booker. So there's not a whole lot that you can, like, do <laughs> um, if they're going to run it and just kind of get the ball, you know, on these kind of three, four yard games, like all the time when it comes to the their passing game. So in that sense, I, I think maybe the feeling is a little underwhelming from a fan perspective because, you know, we saw the Bengals game last week where there was just nonstop yeah. pressure on every play and Joe Burrow had yeah. to dance around back there and they were down 24. So <laughs> whether he was taking the sack or not, like he had to find something downfield. So that opened up uh, an opportunity for more sacks of pressures. Absolutely. But sure. I mean, this game was just different. Um, Mike Glennon is not Joe Burrow and the, the Giants, <laughs> you know, were not throwing down 24. They were uh, yeah. doing whatever the hell Freddie Kitchens was doing <laughs> down 23. Uh, so for me, uh, I think that you can think about it going into Thursday night. But to me, I don't really take an issue with the pass rush this game. Yeah, I, I, I can't say that I've ever really seen a, a double reverse screen uh, from an NFL team before. <laughs> and they th they so they reverse it to the first guy. Yeah, and they reverse it again. Right. And then they throw the screen to the first reverse guy. I was like, <laughs> what are we doing? You're running that way and then throwing the reverse back that way. Like, what is happening with this play design? You know, when you do a reverse trick play, you throw it down the field, not to the freaking screen pass. So, you know, Freddie Kitchens was uh, a mess, and it's crazy that he's uh, considered an upgrade over what they used to have. Um, but, yeah, in general, I, I don't have a ton of takeaways from the defense. Like, I think they, for the most part, did what they had to do. But the mm -hmm. Giants' offense was is just so, so bad. I mean, they scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Most of that was against the backups that came in. Uh, you know, you could tell that the Chargers defense definitely did not want to allow that last touchdown. Um, I think Joey Bosa even like came in off of the sideline for a play and like Nazir Adderley was pissed that they were taking him out. So they clearly mm -hmm. did not want to give up the 21 points, but I, I don't have a ton of takeaways from the defense in this game. It, you know, the Giants offense was just so, so bad. It was embarrassingly bad. And I don't, 
like they had this guy come off of his concussion protocol and like that was what they were running with them and they, i mean they were run, every every third down opportunity they got they were trying to run the football they obviously did not trust him to wait you know, to, to try to throw except for the one bomb to to kyle rudolph it was the, it was an awful performance it actually considering all the flea flicker and all the trick stuff and the things that didn't work and the screens and the short game and the running it felt like what everyone hates the most about Joe Lombardi, like the worst possible games <laughs> right. that Joe Lombardi could have called and what people like magnified the most about what they hate. It felt like watching that, but they did it the entire game. Yeah. It was awful. And I completely underestimate how bad they are. Yeah. So uh, even Arjun, you know, who's been pretty critical of Joe Lombardi was like, man, I think we all need to come together and just be glad that we're not giants fans right now. Um, oh so. Yeah. Not a ton uh, to take away from that game. So uh, let's get to some studs and duds here. And then I, I do want to talk at least for a little bit, uh, just kind of the playoff picture and where things mm-hmm. stand heading into uh, Thursday night. So uh, Alex, I'll let you kick this one off. Who is your stud of the day? Um, I, I mean, I feel like we do this thing every week where we try to not do the Justin Herbert thing. <laughs> and we're like, well, someone else will pick him. Take I got to give it to Justin Herbert. Uh, yeah, I'll take the layup this week. I mean, we talked about that throw. There are a bunch of other throws that he made where no one else was getting it but his receiver. Um, And it was just a a great game to see from him sort of vault himself back into that MVP contention, like we said. And this is just truly one of those, like, they had to win this game. um, And they were sort of shorthanded against a bad team. So we've seen the Chargers in those situations not – uh, have the best game, or we've even seen games where maybe Philip Rivers wasn't great in some of those situations, sure. uh, particularly in 2019 and 2020. Um, so I would say that, yeah, Justin Herbert just playing as well as he did this game was awesome to see uh, against a pretty challenging secondary, like we said, coming kind of coming sure. in. And yeah, I mean, he sets himself up for what is probably going to be a really awesome game with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, for first place in the AFC West. So the way that Justin Herbert has been playing the last two weeks, I know, you know, I was very critical of him after the Denver game, uh, as were many. And, you know, he's had his instances against New England and against Minnesota that weren't great. Um, But most of the season, he's been even better than what we saw with Justin Herbert last year. And that's just been great to see. So taking layup, Justin Herbert, step of the game. Yeah, that's a good one. I would have gone with him if you didn't, so thanks a lot. But I really just felt like like I'm so happy to see him taking a couple more opportunities because they've been there. Yeah. And so him to be like, all right, I'm going to go look downfield. I'm not going to take that check down, especially on the Guyton play and the Guyton play last week. That's so great for him. And for him to just heating up at the right time, the merging of his skill set, the guys that they have, what they want to do, and the lines blocking pretty well overall. Like it's a, It's very nice to see them heating up right before the postseason. I'm going to go with a different one because for the first time in a very long time, I wasn't super worried about this person coming onto the field. I will give it to Dustin Hopkins, not necessarily just for this game, but for kind of just finally calming those Chargers fan jitters. You know, yeah, he's missed. I think he's missed two extra points in one field goal this year. Yeah. But that's sure a lot better than what (laughs) we've been used to. You know, I mean, I think Vizcaino missed five extra points in the first couple of games of the year. So for him to just be a nice, calming presence, 
you know, making generally, you know, 88 to 92% of his kicks. That's great. And just honestly, not having to worry about that is awesome. Now, apparently a lot of people at the broadcast angle thought that he had missed one of his oh, yeah. field goals. Yeah. It was not, it wasn't like a missed in my opinion. Sometimes it is hard to tell because you can't quite tell, but where the way it went in on that one, I thought it was no problem. So um, I'm very happy that he is solid. That being said, <laughs> please don't blow it on Thursday night football. Now that I've said that. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned kicking game and you, you know, you tweeted this out, the giants, you know, talking about bad coaching and things like that. They kicked a, they had a kickoff attempt go out of bounds in a dome. Oh, God. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, it could always be worse. And, you know, I think that's a good call. You know, Dustin Hopkins has definitely brought a uh, calming element to the Chargers for sure. And just really quickly about Justin Herbert, you know, we heard Kaiser White last week talk about Uchenna and Wosu and was kind of saying that you know, that Unwosu is finally comfortable in the scheme. You know, he's thinking less, not really worrying about kind of, you know, the off-field implications of his play in terms of contracts and things like that. And I think in a sense that could apply to Justin Herbert as well, because like we've said a lot here, you know, this there are opportunities within every single play design to go deep. And Justin Herbert has, hadn't really been taking those opportunities. And we've seen him obviously come out the last two weeks and really just be very comfortable, very calm back there. And I think that's a sign of him kind of getting more comfortable in the scheme as a whole. And, you know, we kind of tend to forget that this is a brand new experience for him. And so I, I, I take that as a sign that he's getting more comfortable with what Joe Lombardi is doing with the passing concepts, with the receivers and things like that. So uh, just wanted to mention that too. But uh, Alex took one layup. I'm going to take the other layup. Uh, Joey Bosa today gets the forced fumble. I thought he had a couple really good run stops as well. Hitting any quarterback four times in one game is significant. Um, you know, he did, uh, I believe the sack fumble came against Andrew Thomas too. And Andrew Thomas was, mm. you know, their best offensive lineman for the Giants at least. Um, you know, of, of course, I want to highlight the offensive line too. Uh, once I get kind of my hands on the all 22, but uh, Rashawn Slater definitely has an argument here as well. I thought he had one. The one pressure that led to Justin Herbert uh, throwing that 70-yard bomb. But, you know, for the most part, I thought Rashawn Slater was fantastic as well. Yeah, no, that's a really good call. It just there's oh, There was a nice, other than a couple of tuck and runs, there was a nice calmness about Herbert today in the pocket. And you could just tell that. And even with the runs, even if they only got two, three yards, it just felt like they were physically imposing. And even even they only got two yards, it just felt like they were moving. They were the aggressors the entire game. And that was awesome. And if I'm not mistaken... I think the graphic was that Justin Herbert is the first player in NFL history to have 30 touchdowns in both yes. of his first two seasons. Yes. Good I call. mean, come on. Like that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I don't know how many more stats he can break as he goes, <laughs> but this weekly update thing where I just get an update yeah. about him being either the first or the second to do X is incredible. And he's obviously in my opinion, better in this offense than he was last year. And he's got plenty of games to go to top where he was at, you know, Aaron Rodgers with the, Aaron Rodgers, probably a future Hall of Famer with the floor. Only 27 touchdowns his first year with him. Herbert's already passed 30. He's got four games to go. Yep. I mean, there's something really special brewing here. Yeah, I mean, I think Justin Herbert was fantastic. And I think you can honestly throw, if we're, you know, just kind of grouping studs together. Like, I thought Michael Davis had a really good game. Uh, kind of mm -hmm. got burnt by Saquon Barkley at the end. But uh, I thought he used the boundary really well in coverage. Uh, and, you know, pretty much clamped Galladay uh, the whole game. So I thought that this was a really good effort from him. 
heading into what is going to be a really important Thursday night football game. Um, obviously, we sort of saw him and uh, Derwin James last time they played the Chiefs uh, sort of work on Travis Kelsey. And, you know, he had sort of his other assignments throughout the game. Um, so I'll be curious to see kind of what his role is going to be on Thursday night and if he can kind of keep the uh, level of play from this game uh, going into that one as opposed to maybe the Michael Davis we saw against the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, Thursday is going to be a huge test for everyone involved. And, you know, Tyler mentioned the 30 and 30. Justin Herbert was also uh, surpassed 8,000 career passing yards uh, Mm -hmm. today, and he is the second fastest quarterback in NFL history to do that. So uh, it's just been, you know, he's been awesome to watch, and he's been a little, there's been a little inconsistent play here and there. Um, But, you know, he's got a great opportunity on Thursday night to kind of move into that MVP conversation. Uh, that being said, let's get to some duds. I'm actually not going to talk about a player today. I'm going to be talking about Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco for my duds of the day uh, because the roster management this week was truly an abomination. You have three healthy safeties entering this game in an NFL matchup, and I understand that the Giants offense is not great, but you have – Alohi Gilman and Asante Samuel Jr., who you know are going to be out for a while. You don't put those players on IR, which gives you the opportunity to sign more healthy bodies. Uh, and they're, they are extremely fortunate. You know, Nasir Adderley gets that pass breakup where he, he does a front flip and he comes up, you know, kind of limping a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if he had been out, I think we're having a very different conversation about the defense today because then you would mm-hmm. have Trey Marshall and Ben DeLuca or probably Chris Harris potentially as your starting safeties. So the way that these two gentlemen handled the roster this week uh, was just incredibly frustrating. Then you inactivate Braden Fajoko, who's been a, a very productive defensive tackle. And, and you know, I hate to keep harping on that, but it's not like he wouldn't have been useful today in favor of Gabe neighbors who played like three offensive snaps. If that, so Again, I don't have too many takeaways in terms of negative players or duds or anything like that, but the way that they handled the roster management this week really was frustrating in my opinion. And that's really like the only negative thing I have to say about the game today, but you know, they need to do a better job in this regard because they could have signed a safety to come in and play important minutes. They could have signed another corner. They could have done something, right? But they didn't. They sat on their hands and again, they're very fortunate that Nasir Adderley was able to leave this game healthy because there were two scares for him. Uh, but he was able to, of course, come out unscathed. So uh, Brandon Staley, Tom Telesco need to do a better job going forward with the roster management. Yes, the good old week was this 14. Still trying to figure out what they're doing with their roster management thing. Yeah. You know, still trying to rotate RBTs, whatever. Yeah, that was definitely frustrating to see you know, the lack of bringing any safety. And like, I'm not saying... They have to be great, but have a body would be nice. Yeah. You know, is, is Ben DeLuca out there as your safety really the best option? I mean, if James is out next game and let's say, you know, Adderley gets banged up, maybe tomorrow he wakes up and he's got <laughs> symptoms of a concussion. What are what are we going to do? Like, what are they? Mahomes yeah. is going to throw all over that defense on Thursday. And it's a very quick turnaround. And there's nobody in the building, you know, learning the defense, working with the team, nothing. It's just like, well, we have these guys, and hopefully they'll be back. But no, Gilman's hurt, Webb's hurt. It's a little concerning. So yeah, I, yeah. I'm, 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 I get it. I totally get it. 
And I didn't even uh, talk about not having a backup center. Thank you, Arjun. Oh, my gosh. Yes. No, Senior we Kelemente. had a backup center, and it was Senio <laughs> Kelemente. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, is my it, gosh. There really isn't a better option than that. Like, no did he way. play center ever? No. Uh, he, had, so. he had one snap at center with uh, the New Orleans Saints, like, in 2014. And he was their backup center. Like, again, of course, you know, you always help for, for healthy games, right? But if Corey Lindsay had gotten hurt, I don't know if they win that game. Like, it, it's... <laughs> no, much, they but, don't. Like, our, like, we seriously don't have another plan. And, like, I get that question where he was added to the COVID list on Wednesday. But, you know, you, they had Nate Gilliam, who was the third-string center, in for a mm-hmm. visit on Friday. And they didn't sign him. They didn't do anything. So Senor Calamente, who now has four career snaps at center or five or whatever, uh, was the backup center. So it was just roster management today was incredibly frustrating. Yeah, definitely. Um, my dud. I mean, I, I guess it's Kenneth Murray. I mean, there's another guy that defense I could talk about. I don't think it was like the worst game. Clearly, the defense did its job. So I don't think he had many opportunities where it was like, God, that was terrible. But, you know, him being beaten coverage by the fullback at the goal line and completely fighting on it was play action or whatever it was. Um, he had the uh, lining up in the neutral zone penalty. He had rushed the passer 17 or 14 times, whatever. He had two What's penalties. That? He had two penalties. Great. That's yeah. even better. Um, so he had two. <laughs> That's awesome. Two penalties. <laughs> he rushed the passer, you know, 14 or 17 times. Had zero pressures. And again, we talked about that's kind of excusable, but like, what was his impact today? Did he have a tackle? Let me see. No, he has not registered a tackle on ESPN at least. Yeah. So, I mean, his involvement on the field was just to be a body. I mean, he's literally not even on the box score. No, he's not on the box score. And I know we want to give him more games to, you know, get grow into that edge rusher role i guess but geez dude like you can't make any impact in this game it's not like they like they at least ran it enough times where you could have made a tackle or something it's just it's really frustrating i mean he at least had some occasional impact as a linebacker i could say okay there was that one play maybe or he made a tackle after 32 yards but for him to be at the edge and not make like any tackles and, and no impact on this game, nothing positive at least. I mean, so, uh, cost the team a touchdown, two penalties, zero pressures. That's a bust to me. Not a bust, excuse me, a dud. I mean, you could argue it's a dud and a bust um, at this point. <laughs> like, I know we want to be hopeful, but look, he hasn't looked any better at edge. Yeah, he's committing penalties and. It's sort of the same issues that we're seeing when he's playing linebacker. Like, he kind of looks slow. He looks unathletic. Um, You know, as much as we want to talk about, like, Kenneth Murray, the athlete, I'm like, he hasn't been showing that too much. Like, he's kind of just looked the same for a couple weeks now. Uh, Really, ever since he came back from that injury, he's looked a step slow. Um, So, to me, I I don't blame anyone for picking him as a dud at the game because – he was bad. Um, and yeah. so I, I don't know how that really gets better. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with him against uh, like the Chiefs and what his snap count's going to be. It seems like, again, his snap count sort of stayed the same at relatively 
low levels in this game as well. Um, so I don't know what to expect with him. I could go with Kenneth Murray, um, but we already talked about him and I picked him for Tut of the Week before. So I'll go with, um, I mean, this sort of builds off of Steven's point on uh, talking about Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley. Um, why did we think Trey Marshall starting was a good idea? Like why, <laughs> why went yeah. in terms of thinking, like what made you think that that was going to go okay? That like the slowest replacement safety that we got yeah. when the roster was finalized. <laughs> who runs like he's in concrete all the time. Like, why did we think that would be a good replacement for Derwin James? I don't know, but he's sort of my dad of the game. Um, Obviously, like, fell over uh, and then yeah. pretty much single-handedly allows that touchdown on what was a good blitz uh, with uh, Kimon Hall and uh, right. uh, Kimon Hall and Adderley. So, I don't know, man. Like, and it, it's going to be really bad if Derwin can't go Thursday uh, just right. because – you, you cannot have Trey Marshall starting against the Chiefs and expect to win that game. Uh, so, yeah, I you can go with some of the guys on the defense. I think, honestly, you can make this a Kenneth Murray and Trey Marshall, you know, co-disaster class week. Sure. Um, but, yeah, they, oof, they both look bad. I guess I will go with Marshall as my dud of the game just because he just looked out of sorts, and I don't think they can – expect him to play any serious, you know, snaps coming up if they want a chance to win football games. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a real shame that, you know, Mark Webb was on injury reserve today for this one and that Alohi Gilman was hurt uh, because, you know, it would have been fun to see them in kind of, you know, more expanded roles, but, you know, we're stuck with Trey Marshall. So, um, you know, I, I do have to say Wong is pointing out that they did kind of hide Trey Marshall after that. And it's true. Like, you know, they had a designer play, a designer blitz that Staley likes to say with Adderley and uh, Keemon Hall. And after that, you really didn't see anything. Like, Adderley was kind of just staying back there and not really moving around as much, which just, it, it sucks, right? Because last week and the week before, we were finally seeing Adderley kind of take on more uh, versatility within this scheme. You know, he had nine slot snaps last, last week. Uh, I don't think you'll have that many for, when I go look at it tomorrow uh, from today's game. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a rough one if Trey Marshall is starting. And it's not like they have another option because Ben DeLuca, no offense to anybody who likes Ben DeLuca, is the next option after that. So, uh, at this point, if Derwin's not able to play on Thursday, put Chris Harris back there, I guess. Put Kimon Hall back there. Kind of just rotate that other option alongside Nasir Adderley. Uh, you know, because Trey Marshall clearly not a uh, starting player. No offense to anyone who likes Ben DeLuca. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that Trevor Black, who uh, listens to our show, I don't know if he's in this chat today, but uh, he went to Charlotte and uh, is a big fan of Ben oh. DeLuca too. So there we go. Um, all right, guys, any other thoughts in terms of studs and duds before we uh, talk about the AFC playoff picture? No, I mean, it was pretty much kind of the same duds. Like, I sort of messaged the chat, and it was like, is it just Kenneth Murray? It's like, no, it's also Trey Marshall, and Steven threw his in. So other than that, I didn't really think there were any duds this game. Yeah, wasn't a ton. Like I said, I, I don't have many criticisms outside of the roster management today because, I mean, it was it really should have been a 37-14 to 14 kind of game. 
Um, so I, I thought for the most part, the Chargers handled their business. Uh, and because they handled their business, they, oops, excuse me, hit my microphone on accident. Uh, because they handled their business, they get to have a huge, huge game with the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday, as it currently stands after today's games. Uh, the Patriots are atop the AFC, but they are now tied because they were on a bye week. Uh, you have the Tennessee Titans at nine and four, suddenly getting healthy. Julio Jones came back today. Uh, Derek Henry reportedly coming back for week 17, 18, potentially should be back for the playoffs though, for sure. According to Ian Rappaport, the chiefs absolutely throttled the Las Vegas Raiders after the Raiders, uh, did a little celebration thing on chiefs logo, which is never a good idea. Um, the Ravens have nobody healthy on their team and dropped a game to the Cleveland Browns. So they currently are in fourth place, just ahead of the chargers. The Colts moved up quite a few spots despite being on a bye week this week. They are the sixth seed. And then as it currently stands, the Buffalo bills are the seven seed after losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I was watching, uh, the pregame NFC or not NFC, the pregame NBC, excuse me. Uh, and they, their model, their data actually have the bills outside of the playoffs at season's end. So uh, really interesting one there. I'll start with you, one of your uh, general thoughts on the AFC uh, after today's games. I, I'm glad the Ravens are not doing very well. I do not want anything to do with that <laughs> team in the postseason if they're there. Um, so listen, this game against the Chiefs, we say it very frequently that it's all whatever reason there's a Thursday night game against the Chiefs towards the end of the year that basically decides the fate of the AFC West. Chargers tend to not hold on, or they sometimes they win. They beat them in 2018, but then they would lose the next week to the Ravens or whatever it was. Um, but it's a big game, and the Chiefs have the opportunity to lose maybe another one. They do play the Bengals, I believe they play the Broncos again, and then some other team that I'm forgetting. Uh, but they're not that bad. But they like, like they could drop that to the Bengals, but the Chargers can't rely on that. They need to take care of business, and I think they can. Um, the Bills, great job fighting back today. The Bengals, great job fighting back today. Both teams lost. The Broncos destroyed the Lions today. They're kind of on the outside looking in. I don't know what to make of the AFC except for the Patriots. Like, I don't know. I don't want them to face the Colts. I don't want them to face the Patriots, but the Chargers have a decent shot at making some noise in the postseason, especially as they heat up. But um, but being able to host rather than travel to at least that first game. Like, I, do I want to travel to, to Buffalo? No, they wouldn't do that. Well, it depends how it turns out. But I wouldn't want to travel to certain East Coast teams. Um, so it's a really interesting playoff picture. It's tough to tell because, you know, the Ravens, again, the Ravens keep losing players and they lose the Titans. They have a great record, but can they hold on? Um, I don't know. It all really comes all down to this game. So I'm, I'm, it's a big game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is just this week is kind of one of the reasons that win against the Bengals was so huge um, for yeah. a lot of wins and why I thought that was a must win game. Now the Chargers are eight and five in the five seed. Uh, a game up on five, seven, and six teams. <laughs> um, so, I mean, with the Colts, Bills, Browns, Bengals, and the Broncos, um, yeah. who are, are still there. So, yeah, no, I thought this was a huge win. And, you know, I, I don't know if, what who we're going to be picking between the Chargers and Chiefs when it comes time to, like, make game picks. But that kind of does give you a little bit of margin for error, even if you do lose to the Chiefs. 
you're probably still going to be a playoff team because you'll be tied with some of those teams next week, and then you get a very winnable game against the Texans. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think as we talked about beating the Steelers, beating the uh, Bengals, uh, and then having the chance to uh, – oh, beating the Browns as well, uh, who they're up a game on. Uh, all yep. of those were really huge wins in terms of how the wild card picture has uh, played out to this point. So, um, you yeah, know, I'm really excited with where the Chargers are in the playoff picture. I think if we're if we're going to do the if the season ended today kind of thing, uh, the Chargers would have a first round matchup with the Baltimore Ravens, uh, who mm-hmm. are currently injured right now. We'll see what happens with Lamar Jackson uh, and his yeah. the severity of his ankle sprain. But, you know, there's no team that I see um, other than I guess I would put the Patriots and Titans in that tier because they're kind of getting uh, Derrick Henry back uh, towards the end of the year that I think the Chargers like really don't have a chance to beat because I think they can play the Chiefs and win. They showed that. I think they could play the Ravens and win. I think they showed that. And any of the teams that are sort of bouncing in that wild card tier in division tier, I think they could also go on the road and play them as well. So, um, but yeah, obviously the optimal situation is beat the Chiefs next week, control your own destiny as far as the division is concerned. Yeah. Um, just wanted to look really quickly at the Ravens schedule. So, uh, obviously, I love my guy Tyler Huntley. You know, we all know this. Uh, but if Lamar Jackson misses next week, they play the Packers. So, uh, I think that's kind of an L, even if Lamar plays. But if Lamar doesn't play, then you're looking at a Ravens team potentially really in trouble. Uh, The Browns host the Raiders next week on Saturday. You know, the first uh, round of Saturday games, the Bengals play at the Broncos. So some winnable matchups for the Bengals and the the Browns, particularly the Browns at this point. The Raiders are kind of just done. Um, And then the following week, the Ravens play at Cincinnati. So that is uh, a huge matchup as well uh day after christmas so it's exciting right like this is everything Mm -hmm. that we could have hoped for and more for the chargers at this point you know potentially having the chance to not clinch right but you know you win this game on thursday and really good about is then winning the division because then you have texans who frankly i'd be shocked if the chargers lost that game texans are awful (laughs) Um, and then the Broncos and the Raiders, you know, I, I think they would win at least one of those games. And then, you know, best worst case scenario there is that you tie with the chiefs and you have the tiebreaker because you went two and zero against them. So mm-hmm. this is a huge game for a variety of reasons, you know, obviously, you know, like the head to head, the playoff seating, you know, Herbert versus Mahomes, And, you know, we'll dive into everything about this, but, you know, Primetime Herbert versus primetime Mahomes is going to be as good as it gets this season in, in any NFL game in terms of of quarterback matchup. And so it, it's a huge game. I think this is the biggest Chargers game since I was probably in high school. Uh, and yes, that includes Chargers and Chiefs from 2018, just because mm-hmm. of really kind of what this would signify for the Chargers going forward, uh, you know, in the future outside of this season. Um, but just cannot wait for this matchup uh on thursday night and prime time Eckler just, as well. yeah primetime Eckler, primetime herbert primetime homes i think the opposite of chargers chiefs uh is texans jaguars which is on the docket <laughs> next week uh and i Ooh. don't think that i, I wonder, game? 
No, not a primetime game. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's oh, okay. Too funny. They, they should just flex Texans Jaguars into Sunday Night Football. <laughs> Um, but Plus yeah, it's no. a, like ESPN 30 or like Peacock. <laughs> just get it yeah. off of any TV at all. Well, yeah, is it can you do like national blackouts in addition to local blackouts? Like, that's probably what you could do for uh, Texas Jaguars. I don't think anyone should see that game outside of the Urban Meyer household. Yeah, Alex, how did they do blackouts where you live? Just out of curiosity. Oh well, no, I get a, uh, I get whatever the Florida uh, market is. The oh, okay. Yeah, okay. so that's pretty much my situation. So uh, I thought it was really fun this week that I got to watch uh, the Cowboys and the Washington game and the Chiefs and the Raiders. That was that was cool because usually I have to watch the Dolphins at one p.m. in one of those slots. So uh, they can take another bye next week, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I got those games on TV too, and they were both snooze fests. So oh, they were both. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Dolphins offense not fun to watch. Uh, been very bad, except Jalen Waddle. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm trying to think though. So Stephen said it's one of the most important games they've had since you were in high school, which was yeah, 2008, 2012, right? Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. You, you're older than me. God help me. Um, <laughs> I probably yeah. I mean, because even the 2018 game, they'd already lost to the Chiefs, so be able to sweep this Chiefs team before right. you're all right. in year and then basically control your destiny all the way because if they beat the Chiefs, they'll beat the Texans, they'll beat the Raiders, and then I don't have any worry about them beating the Broncos at home because it's just a very, very different kind of thing. Right. So, yeah, this you're probably right. Outside of some postseason games where it's win or go home, yeah, sure. I think this actually could be, yeah, yeah. Uh, could be the most important one since – Maybe 2013 when they had to win to get in uh, against the Chiefs backups. But this one is is not only maybe the most important game, but also probably potentially their best game. Like so many storylines going into this game. Um, so hopefully I'm happy with the win going into Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> yeah, so Tyler is going to be missing our, our show on Thursday. I am too, but I'm missing for a wedding. Tyler's missing for a movie, um, but it's it's all good. I get it. It's a fun movie for sure. Um, shout out to Rossi Johnson watching the game today uh, with a bunch of Giants fans around him. Get some victory brisket. Uh, thank you for the super chat and thanks for watching. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Ross C. Johnson. All right, uh, guys, any other thoughts in terms of the AOC playoff picture? No. I mean, yeah, they control their destiny, and like we've been saying, uh, they, they this is sort of the biggest upcoming game that we've seen with the Chargers in a very long time, in at least three years, if not longer than that, like you guys have mentioned. So um, it's just really cool to be in a position where they do control their own destiny, and we will get primetime Herbert against primetime Mahomes pretty much for the AFC West. Is primetime Mahomes any good? Like, didn't he put like 16 points up on the Giants a couple of weeks ago? That's true. That is true. Maybe it's just uh, Sunday night football Mahomes that's good because then he just kind of sucks the energy from uh, Chris Collinsworth and, and turns it into <laughs> play. Guys, I think Mahomes is still good. <laughs> let's, let's not let's not do Where's this before Thursday. I care about he said, you. He said prime time. He said prime time Mahomes because the last time we saw him, Mahomes on prime time, he wasn't very good. So um, no, but I think the Chiefs' offense is. I'm not going to say they're all the way back, back, but I mean, you put up 48 against the Raiders, and you're doing pretty good. But I love uh, all the smoke that Gus Bradley is getting today for uh, everything that we all know to be true. 
Yeah, that was fun. Once again, when I'm watching with my dad, when he just exclaims something ridiculous, like, why is my defensive lineman covering, you know, the slot receiver down the field? <laughs> it just honestly makes my day so much. And like, yeah. I shouldn't make fun of his team. So I just kind of sit there and I always have to tweet something like, <laughs> like it's so funny that he has to endure that. I, I feel bad. And, and yeah, their, their season is in the dumps. I, I feel I feel pretty bad because he bought tickets to go to the Chargers Raiders game that Steven and I will also be at. Um, yes. And they're basically going to be uh, losing and the Chargers will probably be sitting some of their starters potentially. Depends how that game goes or how the season goes. Uh, yeah, not not less than ideal situation. It's just funny to me that it, it, it came apart so fast this season, you know, yeah. usually they do like the six and three thing and we're for real. And now they're sitting at six and seven <laughs> and they're toast. So, yeah, no, I, uh, Raiders are frauds, and as we've said, they'll always be frauds. Yeah. So they play at Cleveland next week. Uh, and I feel like if you lose, that's pretty much an elimination game. Like right now, it's it's an uphill battle, right? But you lose to the Browns next week and and you're cooked. So um, anyways, so this has been a great episode tonight. Thank you guys for tuning in. We're about an hour and a half, so uh won't keep you guys any longer. Super late for uh, Alex as well. But Alex, Tyler, any final thoughts before we get out for the day? Uh, nope. I will be talking to you guys in about 48 hours <laughs> by the Tuesday night or not Tuesday, but Tuesday night recording. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. See you guys in a bit. Yeah. Uh, really excited win. Get to have that great Thursday night game. So happy we get the energy into this week and, uh, fuck the giants. Who cares about them? <laughs> They're really bad and they will always be bad. Yeah. Those, those New Jersey giants. Am I right? Um, yeah, so this week is obviously going to be a little bit different because of Thursday night football. So we'll be going, uh, live on Tuesday to do our preview episode. Uh, and then, like I said, Tyler and I will not be able to, uh, record on Thursday night. So Alex is going to do uh, a separate video and then Tyler and I will record something on Friday, uh, after the game. So it's going to be a little bit different this week. Um, but we'll obviously have you guys covered nonetheless. So, Alex, Tyler, thanks for joining me today. All you guys, thanks for tuning in. This has been a good one. And, of course, great to come here after a uh, victory, after the Chargers took care of business. So uh, that's going to do it for us. We'll see you on Tuesday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.